Be honest, I, I, I got to thinking about last week, and we didn't make that much application either about what we were learning. We were just kind of learning. Um, let me just uh, let me just kind of summarize what we learned so far, um, just real quick, so we kind of all get on the same page of where we're at, and then we'll talk about we'll talk about what we're gonna we're gonna see today. Um, so far. All right, we've walked through. We're good. We're a little past halfway in Genesis, and we're walking through verse by verse. And we uh, we uh, saw that in the beginning, the beginning, it was about God uh, and the the curse of mankind, the curse of creation, plunged into sin, and God made a promise that there would be a seed. That seed of the woman would come, and He would crush the head of the serpent, and He, you know, that was the promise. It was the first gospel promise. And since then, throughout Genesis. We have saw that promised seed move, that promise move from, you know, Seth and then to Noah and then the promise moved to Abraham and then it moved to Isaac. And now we are now we're talking about Isaac's children, uh, Jacob and Esau. We saw that uh, we saw that Jacob is the bearer of the promise. God prophesied, God promised uh, and foretold before they were born that Jacob, the elder, would serve the younger. Remember, Esau is the oldest. Uh, They're twins, but Esau is the firstborn. Jacob's the secondborn. And the firstborn was supposed to have the blessing, supposed to have the birthright, but we saw that was given to Jacob. It was foretold that Jacob would have it, and then through through deceit, Jacob basically stole the, the birthright by, you know, the, the soup you know, y'all remember that story where Esau came in and he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And now, the last last week, we saw Jacob stole the uh, the blessing from Isaac. How did he steal the blessing? Somebody fill me in. I'm y'all looking at me like, uh. Somebody tell me what we talked about last week, just so we can all get on the same page. What did blindness to uh, manipulate him to think that? Uh, yeah. He was his brother by filling up his hair and things. That's right. I, Jacob stole the blessing at the behest of his mother uh, by dressing himself up as Isaac. And remember Isaac, I mean, dressing himself. I'm going to do that all day. So y'all just know who I'm talking about. Dressing himself up as Esau. And Isaac was blind on his deathbed, so he thought. And he kind of fooled Isaac into giving him the blessing. And then we saw that Esau came in. He said, here I am. Here's the food that you asked. You're going to bless me. And they realized what had happened. Jacob had stolen the blessing. And we saw, this is, uh, as we pick up the story, we saw that there is no one in this story. That no, this is the promised seed family. This is the family of God that God has chosen to bring forth his promise. And there's no one in it that's good. No one in it is acting righteously. Jacob is a scoundrel. I mean, he's a liar, a deceiver. Esau could care less about spiritual blessings. He sold his for a, for a bowl of stew. He could care less about all. He's a man of his appetite. We saw that Isaac... Old man, blind, he could care less about what God's will was. God told him, the elder's going to serve the younger. Jacob is going to be the promised seed. God told him, Esau didn't care. I'm going to give it to Isaac. He tried to do it in the back, I mean to Esau. He tried to do it in a backdoor kind of way. And it was just happenstance, is actually providence, that Rebecca found out what was about to happen and sent Jacob in. Are you all with me? Amen. So this is, this is a dysfunctional family. But they are the family that bears the promise of God. So even 
there's all kind of junk that's messed up in this family. You never see them together. You always see them conspiring against each other, but yet they bear the promise of God. And so we see that even us today, we, you know, we got all kind of junk in our families or in our person, but it, it, it's not about how good you are. It's about bearing the promise of God. It's about trusting in the promise of God. Hey, Tammy. Uh, and so... What we're going to do is, I want to show you today, as we finish, we're going to finish 27 and go in the first few verses of 28. And I want to make application, because we didn't make much application last week. We're going to look at the consequences of sin. The consequences of sin. Even for those who bear the promise of God, there's sin always has consequences. Always. And I want to show you the response of these people. The response of Esau, the response of Jacob, and the response of, of Isaac to the, the consequences of sin. Y'all with me? Is there any questions before we start? We are going to start, I believe, in 41. I think we got through 40 last week, right? Okay. 41. Let me make sure I'm on 41. Now, before we start, remember, last week I told you the last two verses of 26. Those are going to be important. Remember what they say? It says, Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Behirite, Behiri the, the Hittite, and Bashamoth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were, which were a grief of mine to Isaac and Jacob. These women that Esau married, who are they? I mean, I know you don't have to tell me who their names are, but they were Hittites. They were Hittite women. They were women of the land. He had intermarried with, right, and they, that's one thing. Remember, the seed of God should never do. Even today in the New Testament, that principle is brought over. Don't be yoked with unbelievers. That, that same principle is brought over. But you sit, remember that Abraham didn't let Isaac marry anybody in the land. He sent off to bring Rebekah from the house. That's going to be important in our story, so just remember that. So, Isaac um, blessed Jacob deceitfully. Jacob kind of, you know, remember he, uh, you know, uh, dressed himself up and he got, he got the blessing. Uh, and Esau came in. We saw Esau cried two or three times. He, he lost his blessing. The consequences of sin for Esau are pretty easy to see. We saw that, that he, he lost his blessing, he lost the birthright, he lost all, the, all of those things just because of his sin. He could care less. He was a man of his appetites, uh, and, and he didn't care about it until it was too late. Remember we see that, saw that in Hebrews, that he, he didn't care about his blessings until it was too late. And then he, he tried to get it back with tears. We saw that last week, that he was crying, please, please give it to me. First he said, give me the blessing. Isaac said, I don't have it anymore. I gave it to Jacob. Then he says, give me a blessing. And, and, and Isaac says, I don't have one to give you. And then he said, give me any blessing. And we saw Isaac give him what we call the anti-blessing. You know, you're going to be away from the, and you're going to serve your brother and all those kinds of things. Okay, so verse 41. I want to start with the consequences of sin for Jacob and his mama. Okay? Now, what was their sin in all of this? They lied to Isaac. Yeah. They thought, and this is me thinking out loud, the promise that the elder would serve the younger, that Jacob is the seed that through whom the Messiah is going to come, through, you know, he is the, the one that bears the promise of God, that uh, his... Uh, that promise 
was given to Rebekah, the eldest of the younger. And it seems to me that she and Jacob conspired together to, to do, to sin so that good would come out of it. Jacob is supposed to be the blessed one. He's supposed to be the promised seed. And Isaac's going to give it to Esau. So we can't just trust God that he's going to do something. We've got we've to do something. We've got to dress him up. We've got to lie. We've got to do all these things. And that's exactly what they did. It's never, we saw that it was never, it's never right to sin so that good may come about. It's never right to, to do what God says is a sin just in order to have good, you know, good things happen just so it'll work out the way we want to. Um, the consequences for Jacob, verse 41, it says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. So the conflict, the consequences for Jacob's sin is now he is going to have to run for his life. Esau wants him dead. Huh? Sounds like Cain and Abel again. It's exactly what it sounds like. And that's a good point. That's a Cain and Abel feeling. Yeah, and that's that's the way it always uh, has been and always will be. Remember way back in the beginning, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. Cain was the seed of the serpent. We saw that. Abel was the promised seed who was faithful and brought God by faith and offering acceptable to God. What happened when God accepted him and rejected Cain? The conflict started. And I want you to see that when we read through Scripture, that is the, that's the storyline of all of Scripture. You're going to see it all. If you go through Exodus, you're going to see the, the seed of the serpent is Pharaoh and all them. And they're going to be uh, trying to destroy the seed, the, the promised people of God through whom the Messiah is going to come. All the way through the New Testament, uh, the New Testament, uh, the, the seed of the, the serpent, um, Herod is going to go killing all the babies to try to destroy the, the promised seed. That is the conflict that's going to go throughout the entire Bible. So when you're reading your Bible and there, there's something that, you know, I don't understand how this fits. I don't understand what this is saying. A lot of the prophets, a lot of Old Testament stuff. You can always go back to what is the what is the storyline of this book that we're reading, this, this divinely inspired book, of course. But what's the storyline? The storyline is God bringing forth the promise perfect seed to bring salvation to the world and everything about everything about the world the flesh and the devil is trying to stop this from happening it's always that conflict and so here who is the seed of the serpent so to speak in these in these two brothers should be obvious yeah esau and jacob is the seed of the woman. He is the promised seed. And all of a sudden now, we see the conflict between these seeds. And Jacob, his, um, his uh, uh, consequences for the sin that he perpetrated is that now he's hunted. He's hunted and hated by his brother. And we're also going to see that he's going to get what's coming to him when he meets Laban, his uncle, who's going to deceive him plenty. Okay? The same thing as what uh, God called uh, uh, Cain. He said he'd be a vagabond. A vagabond. Yeah. Sort of. I guess you could draw a parallel because he is going to leave. He's going to leave his home country. He's going to go and he's going to spend a whole lot of time there. He's going to be a, a sojourner, an alien there in his uh, family's household. Well, with yeah. Rebecca doing what she did, and even though she knew that Jacob was going to be the promised seed, she still tried to take 
matters into her, into her own hands about like Sarah did with Hagar. Yeah. You know, it's like a parallel between these women. You know, you want to say, what are you thinking? It's women. <laughs> It's a, watch out now. There you go. Okay. Back to the lesson. We, no. But the thing is, is that, that we're not any different. Just, just when when rubber meets the road, we're, we freak out. You know, we're like, God needs my help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's the thing I was thinking about when you were talking. That's That seems like it's Rebecca's problem all the time. I mean, that's what got him into this mess was her thinking, we can't trust God. We got to fix it. Yeah. Let's go in and jump in and do whatever we got to do to fix it. And Sarah was the same way. Sarah was the same way. Sarah was. God looks at us and says, what were you thinking? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, Sarah, no, not Sarah. See, you got me thinking about Sarah. Uh, Rebecca, uh, she she decides once again. Okay, we've got to we've got to do something. So what we're going to do is you we're going to we're going to get you out of here. In verse forty two, he says, "Man, I have lost my place." Forty two, and these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebecca. She finds out that Esau wants to kill him. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Basically, Esau's trying to kill you, man. And now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. I love the verse 45. It says, Until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Wait a minute. Yeah. Who, who did? Who did what? Whose idea was it to deceive the dude in the first place? It was mom's idea. Now all of a sudden, the stuff's done hit the fan, and everybody's bad, and mom said, Ooh, you in trouble? Look what you did. You better run. <laughs> so, oh, wait a minute. Blame just got shifted. It's like, wait a minute. What I did, uh, you the one that dressed me up and cooked the stuff. It was your idea. This was awesome. That just tickles me. That's funny to me. And it says, Then I will send thee and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? Now, a couple things before we talk about why she's deprived. Um, it said in verse uh, 30 Rebecca she said touching the death kills unto the tarry with him 44 and tarry with him a few days she's expecting I'm going to send Jacob away just for until Esau gets over all this thing he's, then he's going to come back the consequences of their sin is going to be so much more than they realize because when Jacob leaves and he's about to leave he will never see his mother again she's going to die while he is over. He's going to spend 20 years with Laban. You remember, when, we'll get to the story where he worked seven years for one and then tricked and got the other one and then he works another seven. He's going to spend 20 years with Laban. And his mother's going to die in those intervening years. So he is never going to see her. He's never going to see her again. This is the last time they will ever have contact with one another. Remember, Jacob was a mama's boy. And also, what she says, why does she say, I'm going to send you off and then when it's time for you to come back, I'll fetch you. Why should I be deprived also of you both? How is she deprived of them both in one day? Esau's probably mad at her too. And kind of I bet. Talking to her. When Esau and Isaac found out what Jacob had done, they're not only mad at Jacob, 
but they're mad at mom too because she's the orchestrator of all this all this stuff and so her fear is i can't lose both of y'all but that's exactly what happens to her she does lose both of them she loses esau in a sense you know because he's mad at them all he hate and she loses jacob because when she sends her pet her favorite away never going to see him again and so you and i need to understand even though just like this family in Christ, we bear the promise of God and we bear the we bear the blessing of God through Christ and salvation. Sin always has consequences. Always. Do you think she knew that? Knew what? That she would not see her kid. No, I don't think so at all because she said, I'll come I'll holler for you in a few days. I don't think she expected him to be gone twenty years. I think she expected, you know, I'm going to send him off and he'll come back a little later and it'll be fine. It's all going to go back to normal. You think that's part of her her, her punishment? Was I, that? I think so. I think I don't know if I'd call it punishment, although it is the consequence. Yeah, it's a consequence. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you, when you say, because the reason I say that is because as believers in Christ, we our punishment has been taken. Right on the cross. We we have consequences for sin. We have chastisement, discipline for sin. We have the negative effects of sin, but God punishing us punitively for our sin has already been taken on the cross. And so what we see here is is she there is what I call the what I call the UC. There's always there there's always the UC. That's the unintended consequences. Always. You can say I've used this example before, probably a lot of y'all heard it, but I, I knew a guy who was about to do something that he knew was a sin, but he decided that it was the best thing for his family and something that he had to do. And he sought counsel with me and we discussed it. And I don't pretend to be in his situation, but I asked him the question, would Christ want you to do what you're about to do? And his answer was emphatically, no, there's no way he'd want me to do this, but I have to do it anyway for my family. I've got to do it anyway. And what he what he didn't foresee and what actually came about, what actually happened was there were unintended consequences of his choice to to dive into that sin, even though he knew it was the best. A lot of times we think I can't afford not to do this, but the reality is if it's a sin in God's sight, you can't afford to do it because there's always, always, always unintended consequences. That's what we talked about a little this morning. God's law is there not just because it's rules and you need to keep the rules. It's there for our good. It's there for to make sure that we don't destroy our lives and, and we live according to what God's, God's best that he has for us to live. That makes sense? Y'all with me? Okay. So... Unintended consequences. That's what happens. She never, she will never see her son again. Never see Jacob again. And he will be gone 20 years. Interestingly enough, Isaac thought he was on his deathbed, but he's going to live to see Jake. He's going to live another 20 years to see Jacob come home. Um, now, what happens is she's got to get, get him out of Dodge because Esau is trying to kill him. So she gives Isaac another story. And verse 46 says, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. That, who are the daughters of Heth? Their daughter-in-laws from Esau. Esau's Hittite women. That's right. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, the Hittite women, such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? She is basically saying, 
uh, Isaac, we've got to get Jacob out of here so he can find him a wife. He cannot marry these women of the land, these Canaanite, Hittite women. He can't marry them. And that's a principle you see all the way through uh, back to Abraham. Don't intermarry with the sons of Cain. Don't intermarry with the line of Cain. You, enter, you marry within the line of Seth. You don't intermarry with the line of Cain. All the way back to Noah, we saw that. The, the sons of God and daughters of men, when they intermarried, the line got all mixed up. God flooded the place, right? All the way through Abraham. Abraham told Isaac, you cannot marry someone from the land. You have to, he sent a servant all the way back to the land of his forefathers to go find a wife for, um, for um, Isaac. Isaac. I'm getting their names all mixed up. And so he, he re, she uses this as an excuse to get Jacob gone so she could protect his life. But it's really a good, I mean, it's really a good idea. And we're going to see that this is how Jacob finds his wife, uh, Leah. Leah? Leah. Okay. And so Isaac, in the first part of chapter 28, we're only going to do about six or seven verses in 28. Isaac says, this is a good idea. Now listen to this. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padan Aram to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. The daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. So notice now that Isaac is recognizing that Jacob is the seed. Jacob is the chosen one. Remember, because now you got Esau. He's married these Hittite women. And we know, and Isaac knows, because Abraham showed him that the seed, the promised child, the promised one through whom the promise is going to come, can't intermarry. So he's sending Jacob off. He recognizes now that Jacob is the seed. Jacob is the seed. What has to, what has to have changed in Isaac for him now? Remember last week we talked about Isaac was like, I don't care. I'm going to bless Esau. I'm going to give Esau the blessing. I'm going to give Esau the birthright. I'm going to give it to him. I don't care what it says about the elders of the younger. Now, Isaac understands that Jacob is the seed. What has to have changed in his heart for him to recognize this? When before, he was like, forget that. Esau is going to get it. His faith. His faith? Okay. I mean, tell me. It goes like what you were talking about this morning. You know, he... He's, he's a man of God himself, so I'm sure he understood the consequences from God. You know, you, I know when I'm being chastised. I don't like it, but I know it. Do you think he's ashamed? Think he's? I, th I think he's doing kind of what we do. Um, instead, I, yes, I think there's shame there, and where the shame is coming from is the I, be I better, you know, do right. I better get my butt in gear and you better line up with what God wants. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think it's repentant. He's repentant. He's ashamed. He realizes what he has almost done. He almost, he almost chose to do his own will rather than God's will. God told him the elder's going to serve the younger. This is the promised seed. He's going to be the one. And Esau basically said, you know what? I'm going to give it to Esau. I mean, Isaac almost said, you know what? I'm going to give it to Esau. I don't care. And when he realized all this has happened, although it was sinful, although it was, you know, it was not what God wanted, it happened because God's will is not going to be thwarted. And he has realized that, yeah, Jacob is the seed, so I need to send him off so he can find a wife because he can't marry these daughters of... A more heathen daughter-in-law. 
I don't know how you probably you probably just said something that mother-in-laws have said since the dawn of time. I don't. She said I don't. You didn't want no more heathen daughter-in-laws. That's right. He didn't want no more. He didn't want no more heathen daughter-in-laws. But think about this. Esau has already married these heathen daughter-in-laws. No, they didn't like them. And they have decided to send Jacob away. So the, the recognition here is that Esau is not the promised seed. That Jacob is the promised seed. They're, they're coming to realize, or mom already did, but Isaac is coming to realize his failure, his, his sin, his deciding to do his own. He has reversed himself. He's reversed himself, repented if you want to say it that way. He's understood this is God's will, that this is the, this is the promised son, and he's going to repeat the blessing. Verse 3 and 4 says, this is what Isaac told Jacob. And God Almighty bless thee, make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave to Abraham. He has repeated that. That's basically the same blessing that he gave to Jacob the last chapter. Why does he repeat it now? Because now it's coming from a different place in his it is coming place from a different place. What was the difference? What? How did he give the blessing in the last chapter? Well, he gave it the last chapter because he thought he was Esau. Yeah, he gave it. It was he was dressed as Esau. It was deceit going on. But he, now he knows Jacob's about to leave. He knows that Jacob is the promised seed. And he looks Jacob in the face. No disguise. No trickery. No deceit. And he gives the blessing. Reiterates the blessing again to Jacob. knowing. And that's why I think there has been a fundamental shift here in Isaac's heart. He has realized his sin. And so we talk about the consequences of sin on Jacob. And the consequences of sin on Jacob's mom. But a lot of times we miss the consequences of sin on Isaac, how he has responded to the realization that he has sinned and he was wrong. Uh, he was trying to do his own will rather than God's will. And I think that you see here the, the uh, response of a heart of faith in Isaac. It's almost like the scales have come off. Yeah? You know, the scales of what you want. You know, it's not about you or what you want, it's what God says. Yeah. It's, kind of uh, it's definitely, he is... He is, yeah, he has come to the realization that God's will is going to be done. And you either get in line or you get rolled over. I you mean, know, it's God a, would have been just. And, uh, this past week I heard someone make the comment, God loves me enough that he wouldn't do that to me. And instantaneous, the moment I heard that, all I could think of is God don't know you anything. Hmm. You know, right here, exactly right here, he would have been just to Isaac to do exactly what he did to um What's his face? His wife and turning him to a pillar. Lot, yeah. yeah. You know, because he wanted to, he wanted to kind of stay in his comfort zone. You know, he, he was closest to Esau. That's where his heart was. That's that's who he built his heart around. Yeah. And and everything that was comfortable with you know to him was literally jerked out from beneath him. Yeah. And he was left to lean on God's providence. And once he was left to do that. And he had to stand alone in that. That's when God showed up. Yeah, that's a good way to look really at it. Picture of, of literally the leadership of the home because God has uh, given uh, the, the leadership of the home to the husband, mm -hmm. and uh, and with that he has failed. 
Now, if you look at that, now you see his family in discourse because he wanted to do what he wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do. And when God says, I need you to do this, and you say, I'm going to do what I want to do, you're taking on the role of God instead of the spiritual leader and being obedient to your household. Yeah. God also spoke to his wife about that too. He, he went to Rebecca and said, this is what's going to take place. Now, did she obey, you know, faithfully? No. Yeah. So it, it affected the whole home, but he didn't go to just um, I, you know, Isaac here. He went to Rebecca as well and said, "This is what's going to happen." Yeah, and and you can see you can see parental failure throughout. I mean, exactly. all the way up until way back. Remember, it said Esau was Isaac's favorite, uh -huh. and Rebe you got the favoritism thing going on. You got the the separation going on. Yeah. Isaac's going to do this behind closed doors. He's not going to tell Rebecca and Jacob, and they find out. I mean, there's like I said, it, this is a dysfunctional uh, family in all kind of... Uh, <laughs> it's a Jerry Springer family, for sure. But it also goes back, he was talking about men being leaders of household. I fully, 100% agree with you on that. But God also, he also takes into account about the marital home being as one. Because you go back to Abraham, when Sarah laughed in her heart, he, he called her out on it. Mm -hmm. You know, right here with the parental discourse and everything. He went to Isaac. He also went to Rebecca. He didn't exclude. He said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do it this way." Mm -hmm. Both of them failed. Right. Well, it, and it gives us it gives us hope that we bear the promise of God. Doesn't mean you're perfect parents. Doesn't mean your family's perfect. Doesn't mean that you can see this all the way through in in the the stories of the patriarchs that they were they were sinners just like us. And that gives me a, that's why I like that scripture is true because it doesn't hide the the sinfulness of its heroes. You know, it, they were men and women just like just like we are, and they learned. I think. The, the fundamental distinction I want you to see as we end up is the response is what's important. Mm -hmm. Isaac responds to the realization that he had sinned. The realization that he was seeking his own will rather than God's. He responds with repentance. He responds by reversing himself. No longer is he seeking to give it to Esau. He's now going to just give it to Jacob in response and obedience to God. But I want to show you also the response of the heart that hasn't. That is not a heart of faith. And that's the response of Esau to all of this. Um, it says in verse um, in, in verse six. Let me just read six through nine, and that's where we'll stop. Let me just read the whole thing to you. It says, "When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padaram. Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took up unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his, to be his wife. Okay? Now, the... Huh? Yeah. No, no. Three now, right? He already had two. Took unto the wives which he had. Yeah, he took unto the wives, the two he already had, this one. Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of... Yeah, he took the one. Now, before we... before I'm, I skipped over something in verse 6 I want you to see. 
We're talking about Jacob now having the promise in verse 5 where it says, And Isaac sent away Jacob. He went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, Syrian brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, duh. It's, of course, Rebekah's Jacob and Esau's mother. But which one's first now? Jacob. Jacob is now listed first but in the brothers. He is now the seed, the now the promised son, now the inheritor. What's Esau's response? I realize, to me, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Even you guys just reading this know that it, it, all the way since Seth, since Noah, we've known, don't intermarry. Don't intermarry with the, people, the women of the, the land. Uh, we've known Abraham laid it out completely. Do not take a wife for my son Isaac here in this land. You go. And all, it's almost like Esau gets married to these Hittite women and then you got this whole long narrative about what happens and it's like it dawns on Esau finally oh dad don't like the Hittite women I mean how could you not have known and I think it goes back to the same thing that we saw last week that that Esau is so spiritually blind he could care less about blessing the blessings of Abraham we saw that when he sold his birthright he could care less about these promises that he'd always heard as he sat on his granddaddy Abraham's lap and Abraham told him about all of what God had done and what God promised to do he could care less about all this stuff he was a man of his appetite as long as I get my appetite filled uh, that's all I care about and so he took these wives and then all of a sudden it's almost like it dawns on him when he realizes that they sent Jacob to go get a wife he realizes that hey they don't like the daddy don't like the Canaanite women so what does he decide to do does he do like Isaac and repent and trust just like what Isaac did Total reverse himself huh yeah well he tries to win back approval by doing something. You know, what can I do to win back approval? Rather than repenting, rather than coming and saying I've sinned and I've done wrong and I've tried. He tries, basically just like everybody else in the world, tries to work his way back in. And what does he do? He goes to Ishmael and finds a wife. Why would he go to Ishmael to find a wife? What is he thinking? Abraham's son, Ishmael. I need to marry in the family. I need to marry somebody that's Ab uh, a descendant of Abraham and daddy will be pleased with me. What is he failing to understand? Ishmael was not the promise. Yeah, the, the line has narrowed down to Isaac and Isaac alone, not Ishmael. And so you and I, looking at this picture, we're thinking, Esau, man, you're just making it worse. I mean, by trying to work your way back in, you're just making it worse. You're just messing the whole thing up. Esau, in his mind, thinking, hey, I'm doing a good thing. I'm doing a good thing. I'm going into Isaac's good graces. Well, it says right here, though, in verse 8, it says, and, seeing, and Esau seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not his father. Yeah, so, the ones that he had. Oh, okay. So he went to Ishmael, Abraham's son, to go find one that would please his daddy. And so I want you to see the distinction here. Uh, there's something that you'll see throughout Scripture. You've got one on one side, you've got Isaac, who realizes, hey, I, I've sinned. I've done wrong. I have basically completely rebelled against God's will and decided I'm going to do it my way, you know. And we saw that in him trying to give the blessing to Esau. Uh, and, of course, God's will is not going to be thwarted. 
And Isaac does a complete reversal, a complete repentance. He, he comes back and now he's not concerned about his will. He's not concerned about his way. He gives the blessing freely to Jacob, understanding that this is what God has says, said. I'm going I'm to turn and I'm going to just follow what he says. I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to repent and I'm going to, to follow that. And then on the other side, you've got Esau here who realizes, hey, this is not what I'm supposed to do. The, the dad don't like the Canaanite women. This is not what the promised seed is supposed to be. So he has got to do something. Rather than repentance, rather than uh, you know seeking after the trusting the will of God or the will of his father, he goes and he just makes it absolutely worse by trying to, by trying to work his way back in to God's good graces. That's the same picture that you see today. You've got one set of people that will you know, when, when sin and conviction comes, when their heart's revealed, they will repent and they will trust in the Savior. They will trust in uh, the promise of God. Basically what Isaac is trusting in here, the promise of God. And then you got another group represented here by Esau that instead of, instead of repenting, instead of trusting, instead of understanding, you know, what God is doing and why he's doing it, instead of doing that, he's just trying to work his way back into the good graces of everybody. Work his way back into an inheritance and he ends up messing the whole thing up making it worse we're looking at it going oh man look at what you've done you're just making it worse i mean you go and you marry a daughter of ishmael that just makes it worse but in his mind he's thinking oh i'm doing good i'm doing wonderful and it's so great and it's going to be fine and it's all good we do the same thing people will stand before god People will stand before God and they will say, look how good I've done. Look how good I'm doing. Look at all the things that I've done. Wonderful. And in, in God's eyes, it's like, you're just making it worse. You're just making it worse by trying to add your works. It would be like... <clears throat> I always use this example. It would be like if somebody murdered your child, you know, and, and you know, of course, you'd be angry, you'd be hurt, you'd be all those things. And then that person who murdered your child come and tries to bribe you with a million dollar house. Well, will this make it better if I just give? I mean, that would just add offense on top of how, who do you think you are to try to bribe me after what you, you know, it, that's almost like what we see here is that people come to God and rather than trusting and repenting, falling humbly down saying I can't do anything and I need a savior I need you to I need you to give me your righteousness they try to add their works which basically amounts to a bribe and so that's the response the response that we see of the um, the consequences of sin the the chastisement of sin you're going to respond of one one of two ways there's always consequences to sin always and you're going to respond one of two ways you're going to either respond with humble repentance and faith trusting in the promise of God that his righteousness is enough or you're going to respond by trying to work your way back into God's good graces work your way back into the deal which really always just makes things makes things worse. Any questions? Comments? Cries of outrage? The next section, these have been a hard section for me. It's been a hard section for me to apply. Uh, the next one is going to be Bethel. We're going to talk about Jacob and Bethel and it's going to be easier for us to, easier for